Well, Pastor Jeff, back with you. Uh, glad for um, the fact that you can make the time and tune in and listen. We believe that people's stories matter. And uh, as we take time to learn from one another, we find God's love and his strength is for all of us. So as Jesus loves people, let us love people as well. And one with a great story is Heather. Heather, how are you? Good. Oh, hi. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heather, and I apologize. How do you pronounce your last name? Well, let me begin by saying it's not mine. Um, I married a Cuban. So this pasty white girl from the Midwest has struggled for about 21 years with its pronunciation itself. But my understanding is it's Palacios. Okay. Well, we'll say it once or I'll let you yeah. say it once and then I'll call yeah. you Heather from, from now yeah. on. Yeah. Let's call it a day. Yeah. Now, you said the mid Midwest. My wife is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Where did you grow up? I was born in Ohio, and I was raised outside of Chicago. What type of family did you have? Did you have Christian parents, many siblings? How did you grow up? We, I grew up, um, actually, I was born into a hippie home. My mom and dad were part of the hippie movement back in the late 60s, early 70s. So they, they had me at home. Um, they... Uh, did not believe in hospitals or shaving their armpits. <laughs> uh, but they um, were sa they were newly saved Christians. They got saved through the kind of Jesus freak movement that was going on. Uh, and then I have three younger brothers. So, And so when did you realize that Jesus was real? When did you come to that point of faith? Uh, great question. At four years old on Green Road in Haskins, Ohio, uh, my dad came in to kiss my brother Jason and I goodnight, and w somehow we got on the subject, and I said, yes, I want that. I want that in my heart. And so I prayed that prayer at four years old on Green Road, and that has that God has never left me. However, I did have quite a stint of a prodigal life where I left him, um, but came back to him in my early 20s and have been radical for him ever since. That's awesome. And uh, Heather, I just want to call attention to your web, uh, website. It's a wonderful.com, but there's an H after the D. Yeah. Bringing that up right now. Your life verse, favorite verses. We are pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I think many Christians, and even those that do not follow Christ, would say that has been the last 16 months or so. Why did you choose this verse? Great question. The reason I chose that verse is because it has some really hardcore action verbs. I mean, to be pressed on every side, to be perplexed, to be persecuted. However, nowhere in that verse does it have the action verb, but I gave up. Yeah. So I felt like this verse just encompasses all the despair that a person can go through and can come out of. And Heather, you uh, graciously had a life box sent to my wife. My wife is uh, battling stage three colon cancer. She's halfway through her chemotherapy treatments. And behind me, there's some product placement. So for folks to see, uh, go yeah. to wonderful.com. But we just thank you so much for that. And again, on Vanderblumen, you were just talking about some of your background, your struggle, just mental wellness, emotional health. Could you just talk about what led you to uh, providing life boxes and giving hope? And then we'll backtrack from there. 
Okay. Well, I've been visiting people who have been on the edge of the ledge for long time, long time, like last 10 years, maybe even longer, uh, in hospitals, psych wards, uh, treatment centers, detoxes, jail. And when I go and visit them, I never want them to leave without God being with them where they still are. And I've recognized my own personal journey that God is omnipresent. And even though um, we find ourselves in these places such as psych wards or prisons or detox, um, he's there with us if he's in our heart. And a tangible way to provide that for people in those places is his Bible and a journal. And I say that because that's what I've needed my whole life. My whole life, I have my journal and my Bible from when I was eight and my journals and my Bibles all the way up to now when I'm, let's just say 31. Okay. We'll go with that. (laughs) uh, Quickly in my dog, I'm surprised my dog hasn't barked yet, but what type of pets do you have? All right. Well, Fozzie right now is having his late afternoon Tourette's syndrome. He just gets really mad and cusses in dog language every day at this time. I don't even know. I don't even know if there's a medication for it. But that's he's a golden doodle, and okay. Louie is a golden doodle. Awesome. Hey, uh, when we think about wonderful with an H and on Instagram and on Twitter, it's the same. It's wonderful when there's an H after the D. How did you come up with this name? Well, I, I kind of didn't have a choice. I had a... I had a hater out there, Pastor, believe it or not, um, about 10 years ago. And this hater made a very egregious maneuver and was able to go online and completely eradicate my presence from the Internet. Um, And at that time, it was lead her ship. So not for lack of trying, reached out to attorneys. It just, you know, it just became this big thing that I didn't want to have to, I, I wanted to put an end to that chapter in my life. So I just gave it to God. I said, help me to forgive him. Even if he had never apologizes, help me to forgive him and help me to do something else. And so that's where wonderful came from is because I think around that time I was just reading my Bible and I saw that in Psalm 139, it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, yeah. And that is not determined by what is online or lack thereof. So I was like, wait, 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 this guy took me offline, but he didn't take away from who I am. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just take the word wonderful. And because I'm a chick, I'll put an H in it. And that's great. And we appreciate that so much. My daughter is 17. And so uh, she appreciated that as well. She stole all the stickers from the life box as well. So uh, anyway. oh, good. I can send her more. Let me know. <laughs> That'll happen. Uh, kind of going to the core of the conversation. And I just want to set this up by saying that I have a uh, friend, more of an acquaintance, actually, of a pastor who took his own life four weeks ago. And yes. uh, many were aware that he struggled with um, suicidal ideations. And it was just so, so sad. And around that time, I heard uh, your interview with Vander Blumen on that podcast. Yeah. Can you just share about some of your struggle in past history? Yes. Um It started when I was eight years old, so that would have been 1981. And at that time, I was having thoughts of not wanting to live. And, um, you know, this was this was pre mental health matters, mental health movement, mental health month, suicide prevention day. So none of that stuff existed. But I wrote a letter to my grandparents and mailed it in the mail, snail mail, 
and the essence of it was I, did, I wanted to die. And uh, they were concerned, so they turned it over to my mom and dad, and they did what the best that they could do at that time, and that was called the local church. And the local church came over to our house, one of the deacons, and prayed with me. But that was the beginning of what would end up being a lifelong struggle with one really strong temptation, and mine is to take my life. It's to commit suicide or to, to, to die by suicide. And so for those that would say prayer is, is enough and you just have to give it to Jesus and move forward, move on. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of how the church has dealt with several issues, several problems. How have you gained that strength by knowing that you're not alone? And God certainly uses prayer, but there are some practical steps you need to take as well. Yeah. You know, it, I, the suicide that occurred four weeks ago, uh, is the fourth colleague of mine um, that that did that, and the enemy's really using that in my life because I feel like I've lost comrades in this fight that there's not many of in the first place, and so it, it kind of makes you just feel not only like you're alone in fighting suicide for yourself and others, but then it makes you also feel like what's the point. Yeah. If, 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 if Christ followers are going to do it, I have no chance helping people not. However, um, I do have a practical protocol for myself. And because I have likened it to if I got in a car accident and became a quadriplegic, there would be just a lot of practical protocols that I would follow to do my best every day. And I do not delineate a broken brain from a broken body. So my practical protocols are very clear and I'm a student and a follower of them with the advisement of my trifecta. I call them, I call them my trifecta because when Jesus was in the garden, though he had followers of thousands and a, you know, a posse of 12 in his most mentally anguishing moment, he had three. So I've taken my cues from that. And my three are my counselor, my pastor, my husband. Oh, and, good. and in the combination of those three and myself, we've come up with the practical protocols, which is boundaries, medication, counseling, journaling, being in the Bible, being in church. That's so good. And I just want to bring up your uh, church website here. It is CB Blades, uh, Glades, I'm sorry, cbglades.com. And um, I know that church has been different. Uh, for us personally, we were online for 14 months, meeting in person only one time. And now things are kind of getting a little bit back to, back to familiar, not maybe back to normal. Can you just talk about your church family? And for you being high profile, how did you get through that anxiety of being embarrassed or feeling guilty or shame if or when people found out about your past history? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, yeah, our church is uh, about two things, Jesus and his word. We're not complicated. And our church slogan is no perfect people allowed. So yeah. if, you're per if you're perfect, go find another church. Um, but I... I, to be honest with you, Pastor, I've never, since I was eight, had to battle stigma on top of the battle to stay alive. Hmm. Um, that has just not been something that has penetrated my securities or my confidence or my, you know, 
I don't know, resiliency, because since I was a kid, I, I called maybe maybe it's just naivete or ignorance, but it, it's it's a organ, and I and it's it's no different to me than you know lungs that are broken and needed an inhaler or eyes that are broken and need glasses or you know kidneys that are broken and need dialysis. I mean, my brain's broke. And if you stuck my brain under um, any kind of CT scan, you would see there was just some things different than yours or my husband's. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just not, I just don't, I just am not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. And I think it's so helpful when people um, not only are vulnerable, but they're accountable just to share that this is how I am, but uh, there are things that we can do to make sure that I'm in a healthy place. Uh, I just think of the LGBT um, society, culture, and there seems, especially among youth, to have a lot of these thoughts of suicide and yes. self-harm. Could you just speak to that? Yeah, there is. You know, and I have, I have several uh, friends, relatives, um, people that I mentor that are in that community. And even, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a known statistic that suicide, the suicide rate is, is unfortunately high. Um, suicide is a universal issue and it knows no bias. That is why I won't stop talking about it because I want people to not do it. Period. I don't care what category, what classification, what gender, what non-gender, what ethnicity, what status, what socioeconomic status. I, I don't care. I don't care at all. I just don't want you to take your life because I know what it's like to want to. I have lived more. I've lived multiple times the last moments before we're gone. Um, and I'm still here. And I believe everyone else can do that too. And we are so grateful that you are still here and just sharing words of life and hope. And I say that sincerely. And Heather, could you just talk to the church, the Big C Church or the church generalized that has difficulty with understanding why people could do such a thing or whatever expression or cliche they use? Could you just talk about how they need to be more empathetic or how would you answer or address that church uh, family yeah. pastor that would be in that, that group? Yes. Yeah. You know, I've been in this for 21 years now. So I, I've seen and heard everything from, from the church, uh, including right to my face. I, you know, I, I, I always do meet and greets when I speak because I really believe that one of the things where our society has lost touch with is touch. And a lot of times these people that are on the edge of wanting to give up, I'm just reminded of Jesus. He could have healed everybody without touching them, but he didn't. For some reason, he chose to spit on his hands and touch the guy's eyes, etc. So I am um, in these meet and greet lines, for the most part, just have opportunities to meet people and encourage them. I also have mean people. <laughs> that are waiting for the opportunity to rail me. I think the thing that probably was the most shocking and hurtful and I've, and I've recovered, I'm not, I'm not, I don't carry any offense anymore, but was a pastor that waited for me after I spoke to tell me that none of this would be your issue. If you had more faith, you wouldn't have this issue. It's, it's not in your mind. 
it's in your heart. And I was like, <laughs> you know, because I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much as if I had just accepted him. I had those big, bright eyes as like a new believer and I'm old school. I think in my heart, I wish that the, the church would um, not waste time with wondering what kind of issue this is right. and just get to the issue. I'm so sorry that happened uh, to you. That is sickening. And um, I, I am so glad that you have that resolve. And for <laughs> some that have uh, said that I am struggling and I'm putting on a happy face just to be here. And then just to catch that flack is just so discouraging. Yeah. For yeah. you, you're also part of leadingandlovingit.com. Can you just talk about some of these other opportunities you have to share and some of the people you've met to share your message as well? Yeah, Leading and Loving It is a it's just an organization for uh, pastors, wives, and women in ministry or women in leadership. And I've been a part of this team for I don't know, 10 or 11 years now. Um, it's very diverse in its attraction, which I love because I love diversity because that's what heaven's going to be like. Um, but the aim is the same, and that is to uh, encourage and equip women in roles of leadership in ministry. And it's awesome. We have a retreat coming up in the fall. It's my favorite because it's in Las Vegas. People, <laughs> Las Vegas. I can't wait. So when you hear, or let me just uh, rephrase this. Sometimes when a pastor asks me to share with him what I'm going through, it's easier to share the difficulties, not to share the victories, because it feels like I'm bragging and uh, I get tired of hearing pastors brag and I don't want to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so when when you were asked, like, how are you doing? How have you figured out how to share honestly without feeling like, oh, I'm having a pity party or without feeling like you're bragging? Right. Right. Well, I mean, I that's such a great question. I, I wish I would get asked that more often. Thank you for that question. Um, I, I, you know, the, the I've seen over the over the last 20 years, the, I've seen us tip a little bit more toward the. Um, embellishing the mental situation, self-diagnosing it, and using it as an excuse for bad behavior. Uh, one example of many was a woman that wanted my blessing for her to leave her husband because she was bipolar and she didn't know she was bipolar when she was dating him. And now they were married. She felt like she needed to get out of the marriage. And I was like, whoa, whoa, yeah. big fat time out. Um, it, a men, uh, this is what I say, pastor, the thorn in my side is not an excuse to hurt others with it. Well, all right. So yes, I have a thorn in my side like Paul did, but what did Paul do with his thorn? Dude, he changed the world. So when I get asked how I'm doing, um, I have to keep in mind the thorn in my side and what's going to come out of my mouth. Will this help change the world for the better or not? And then if it's not, then don't say it. Right. Right. That's good. Yeah. Not, not every personal crisis needs to be aired on, on public platforms. I was just going to ask uh, the emergence of social media. I try to use social media to share for me, what I'm having for devotions. So if people say, Oh, Jeff didn't have devotions today. I'd know to post a scripture or something like that. 
But for you, social media, I mean, it has two edges to that sword. How have you been able yeah. to navigate how to use it and not being cut by it? Right, right. Absolutely. Well, I, I, when it comes to social media, like I just said before, not every private crisis needs to be publicly shared. Um, we, we all each need to go to God and say, this is my weakness. It happens to be in the area of mental. Um, what do you want me to do with it? Because I, I don't, I don't believe that everybody is meant to come out of the closet and have it all over social media. Here's the deal. I had to square this up with my pastor, my church, my husband and my kids. And if any of them would have been like, yeah, let, let's not, because I am under the authority of those, I would have, I would have walked away. It wouldn't be worth it to me right. because if I'm going to go out from under the umbrella of the protection of, of the church and my husband, God's not going to bless me over here anyway, if I go viral on social media. So it's not worth it. Um, the other thing is, is I, people think that they want a mental health or a suicide prevention ministry. No, you don't. No. People have no idea what I battle. The worst for me, Pastor Jeff, is that I live in a home where the means that I could take my life is about 10 feet away from me. And I have to, girt, I just have to dig my feet in the sand and be accountable and in my practical protocols. And sometimes I have to leave the house. I, it's, not a, it's not an easy fight. And I wouldn't wish this ministry on anybody but uh, God has not taken it from me yet. So I'm trying to be a good steward. So Heather, I ask this certainly respectfully uh, and candidly. Do you worry or fear about your children having some of the same thoughts? Great question. I don't. Um, the reason I don't is because I don't, I don't want to put that out there. I, I have so much influence over my boys because I'm a, their parent. Right. And so Raul and I have had have packed since they were little, we're going to roll out slowly mom's story and ministry. There's at, at five years old, the boys can know I'm having a bad day and we're going to leave mom alone. Now, when they're 17 and 19, they can know a lot more, right. but not when they're five. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm just not, and I, I feel like as parents, we, we as parents have fears that our children would have never thought of having had we not put it out there. That's true. Yeah. So we, I don't, I don't, I don't put it out there that, you know, boys, you might have, no, I don't put it out there. And I pray against it. I pray that God would bless them with great minds. That's wonderful. And I will join you in that prayer as well. Could you just tell the story about how Vander Blumen uh, connected with you? I mean, are you pretty connected? It seems as though you're relatively well connected within that Christian media world. But yeah. what was that like for you to get the call and uh, the request to come on and share your story? It's so interesting. I yes, uh, he's a colleague. He probably I mean, he, he knows my husband more than me, but we both follow each other on social media. And I think that for years now, we both have a, an admiration for what each other does in this, you know, faith based community. And by the way, Vanderbloom and me do diametrically opposite things, right, right. you know, but um, he it was Mental Health Awareness Month. And it, like I said earlier, it knows no bias. Any of Vanderbloom's clients could wake up today and decide today's the last day. So I really appreciated him taking me up on an opportunity to leverage Mental Health Awareness Month and speak to through his podcast. 
But I, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I really do pray that I can get outside of the, the Christian current. Yes. Um, because it, honestly, there's a big difference between people who, that are irreligious and take their life and people that are religious and or faith-based or Christ-centered and take their life. And there's an urgency for me to get outside the Christian current. Why do you think some churches, it sounds like I'm being very critical of the local church, which I'm trying not to be, but it does seem some topics are not broached among the Christian local church, at least. Right. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, I don't, this is my opinion. Okay. I'm not, I don't know factually why that is. I can speak to suicide and mental health. I don't believe it's being taught in seminary. Right. I, you know, I think, I think we're learning about the Greek derivative of the word brain, but we're not talking about what do you do when someone in your flock um, has a depressed one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they roll out and they're ready to start a church and grow a church and evangelize and fellowship. And, but the education isn't inclusive of, of these mental health matters. That's so good. And um, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm prompted by a question that I do ask carefully, delicately. How have you had to allow friendships go uh, as you grew up when they found out that you had this, what, whatever term they would use? Was that hard for you? Or when did you really learn that I need good people around me and those that will leave me for this? Then it's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I learned that tough. I, I learned that tough lesson um, probably about when I was in my mid twenties. And <laughs> ever since then, I'm a tactile person. So I, I was so hurt. I was so hurt that, that what was the end of this relationship was you're just too, there's too much drama with you, Heather. And and I was screaming on the inside. If you don't know, it's my brain's on fire. I, I mean, I wake up some days and I want to, I want to die. I, I'm so tempted by the dark thoughts that, to not live. I'm like, it's not drama. I promise. But um, I just learned after that, that I need to hold people in an open palm, not a clenched fist. That way it hurts less when and if they have to go. That's good. That's really good. Uh, For you, what are your hobbies? What do you like to to do for fun? Okay. Well, I love shoes. I love shoes. So let's let's not talk about how many pairs I have. That's, That's a moot point. But I like shoes. And then I like to go down to the Keys. We are here in Florida, but there's a chain of islands at the end of the state of Florida called the Keys, and I like to go there. So the recent tragedy that happened uh, in Florida, I noticed that you posted on social about that. Can you just talk about how that should affect all of Christians and showing empathy and care for those that are in need? How have you been able to and Church of the Glades been able to process this? Yeah, it's devastating. It's devastating. We we know people that are really hurting right now because their loved one is unaccounted for, and 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 they know the the reality. Right. Um, but you t- but that's times one hundred and fifty nine that are living in the. I think I know what happened, but it hasn't been confirmed. 
for, for you know, three days now, four days now. Our church this weekend at every service stopped in the middle of worship to um, all, we all lifted our hands together in unison to pray for the scene, the disaster, the family, the victims, and the first responders. Um, so, you know, I, I, we also have churches down there in this, that are, that are much closer. We're, we're about 45, 50 minutes away from there, but there's churches that are right on the scene, bringing food, bringing water, and not just taking care of the grieving families waiting, but those first responders, I mean, this is Florida. Yeah. You know, they are trying to dig to the bottom of this multi-story building to find bodies. And there was lightning. There was a fire thunder, rain, heat, wow. tropical humidity. Um, it's always important, I believe, as the church to take care of everybody involved in a crisis. Uh, so to again, Heather uh, making some time and sharing part of her story with us. It's a wonderful.com and there's a H after the D in a wonderful. And uh, we again, thank you for um, sharing so much with us. I didn't want to point out, but because I think we're friends now or possibly you have not yet accepted my Facebook friend request, but that's okay. And I say, ah. this, I say this jokingly because so many people after hearing your story want to be your friend. How do you balance or find a healthy rhythm of saying, I care about what you're going through, but I don't have the bandwidth to be everybody's best buddy? <sighs> All right. Did somebody close to me ask you to ask me that? No. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm like, this is a loaded. This is a loaded question. He knows my. <laughs> he knows my secrets. What's happening here? First of all, first of all, I want to say that Facebook does not allow me to add anymore. They have capped me. So I literally go through. This is this is this is TMI. I'm going to tell you the same. I've never told anybody this. And I, I find people that are either, I, I will go through my, there's 5,000. After 5,000, you can't add anybody else. So I will, I will spend an hour going through 5,000, finding the ones that are no longer active or unfortunately deceased. And I delete them and then that allows me to add new people. So I will take care of this today. Rest assured, Pastor. <laughs> that, that, that's okay. I just find... Uh, find it interesting. Some of the people that I've been able to meet and that have been so gracious with their time, like yourself, because you have a message and story. And I do not have a big platform, but I find it amazing how you would take time for me and our local church just to share this story of hope. For those that feel as though, man, I've shared the story of hope before, but it feels like false hope and I don't want to share anymore. What would you say to them to motivate them to continue and keep going one day at a time? Well, I, I think that we all have a story, period. Everybody has a story because in, in the, if, if humanity is a big jigsaw puzzle, all right, each of us are a piece. If I, if I take my piece out, you can't force another piece into it. And there's not another backup piece in the box. I'm it. Right. I am the only Heather Michelle Funk Palacios on the earth in humanity. So I have a story that is implicitly unique. 
And some of us will share it very broadly and some of us will share it very narrowly, but we all have a story we need to share because it's going to impact somebody in a way that nobody else can. Yeah. So that's why it's important to never give up sharing your story of hope and never compare. And listen, I got to stay in my lane. I understand I'm not the big global traveling Christian famous person, you know, but, but, but I remember what Jesus said to that, that one cat. He's like, what is it to you? You follow me. Right. So I got to stay in my lane, tell my story and let God help me help others not give up. Well, I think God, or the scripture says that we're part of the body of Christ and we all have a different roles in different places. Yeah. And I just found it amazing. And the uh, swag that you sent to my wife in your life box and uh, was given to her. The thing that stood out to her most, and this is kind of interesting, funny, but it was the pack of lifesavers that was yeah. in there. Because yeah. on, on chemotherapy, she's like, there's just this awful taste in my mouth. And... It was weird because I should have appreciated the journal, should have appreciated everything that was in there. But those lifesavers just seemed perfect for the time. And I just am amazed at how God continues to work. Could you just yeah. talk about how God continues to show up even or especially in our weakest moments? Mm, yeah. First of all, can, can I just pray for your wife really quick? Please. What's her name? Bethany. That's right, Bethany. God, I just want to pause and not go any further. I pray for Bethany and, and Pastor and for the cancer that she's battling. I pray that you would bend down from heaven to where she is, that you would fill her atmospheres between home and hospital and doctor's rooms with your an overflow of your love. I pray you put your healing hands upon her body. And I would I pray that, that you would bring her to the other side of this cancer wholeheartedly and whole in your name we pray believing amen amen thank you um um what was your question how do i not get like weak yeah i i, I can't remember the question now i'm just so grateful <laughs> that you prayed so <laughs> how, do, how do you keep going was this like that not yeah, when, or yeah when people feel like oh my message it, it's run its course um, and just being part of the, the body of Christ. It's just um, yeah. important that we fulfill those roles. So, yeah. I mean, if you wake up breathing, that's your proof to keep going. You know, when, when, when God is done using your only puzzle piece in the jigsaw of humanity, he'll take you home. Yeah. But until then through thick and thin, through storm and sunshine, through Valley and peak through up and down, we, we have to keep going. Our, we didn't bring ourselves into the world on our birth date. Right. So why do we think we can take ourselves out on a death date? We don't have anything to do with those two dates because we're not the creator of ourselves. So I know your wife battling cancer can get through this without giving up. I know it. I also know that the the guy that I sent a life box to yesterday who jumped off a cliff and tried to take his life, but survived. I know he can get through this right, right. without giving up. So a few, and I'm careful when I say practical, but I guess practical things like how important for you is diet is exercise. You mentioned being outside fresh air, but are those things you try to work out into your uh, daily rhythms as well? 
Yes, it is. I mean, you know, when you, I, I live in a very high gear in my brain. Um, and so exercise is really good for me because it, you know, I'm, otherwise I'm like a gerbil on a wheel. You know, I'm just going nuts, going around and around. So yes, exercise is important, critical, essential. I mean, I've taken, and you know, I don't want to get into all the training and the sessions and the classes and the seminars I've sat through, but all those boring details and and statistics aside, your brain needs your body to exercise. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, thankfully I also subscribe to the notion of eating right. I mean, listen, I cannot afford to put any more garbage in my entire body because my brain is already a landfill. So we're done. It's gotta be healthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning to do that. I used to be able to eat what I want and do what I want and uh, work out a little bit and it worked out okay, but uh, not not anymore. Yeah. Hey, a few questions and we'll get you out. Heather, thanks again for being a part. Wonderful.com. There's an H after the D in wonderful.com. And um, how have you and your husband grown in your marriage throughout this situation? Great, great question. We've been married for 21 years. I recently did a Instagram um, post on just a couple of the things that he has learned along the way, because, you know, it's one thing to be crazy. It's another to be married, to be married to it. I mean, you know, he, he was like, woohoo, getting married, walking down, down that wedding day. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year after, um, he was trying to stop me from taking my life in a public parking lot. So he has really had to, um, endure a lot, but that's what love does. Love, love does say at the altar in the covenant before God in sickness and in health. And um, there wasn't an asterisk that said except for mental. Right. So he has, it's been very hard sometimes, but he's honored his commitment to the Lord. And one of the, you know, he actually, him and I actually came up with a PDF that we can send people. And I would be happy to send this to anybody listening on how to live with the loved one you love who's mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what a couple of the things that he would say is get counseling yourself. Yeah. The other one he would say is boundaries. My husband will say, it, I cannot save Heather. There have been moments where he has driven into the driveway, had the boy stay in the car. He just didn't know what he would walk into. Yeah. Uh, but he knows my boundary is that my job is to love her. God's job is to save her. Um, so those are just a couple of things. Heather, where would you be without medication? Um, you know, I feel like I would be at risk. I feel like I would be at risk. Uh, my, my brain just needs, needs some, some, some guardrails. And unless somebody's got some magic wand that they can just tap on my head like a fairy, a brain fairy, I haven't heard about it yet, but let me know. Uh, I I, got to take what's out there and what's out there is medication. And I appreciate that so much. And uh, my uncle who had Parkinson's, he was part of a church that prayed for him, prayed over him, had people tell him like you, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. And he was just like, I'm going after Jesus. And if Jesus wants to heal me, I know he can. But until he does, I'm going to take all of these things that are helpful that he's allowed scientists, doctors to come up with just to help me. And so right, um, right. I've learned a lot from that. But Heather, I thank yeah. you so much for your time and for your story. And 
Um, I'm just so excited to be able to share this with others because over the past five weeks, I've been a part of five memorial services and just seeing those coming out of the pandemic that are sharing that this isolation had them revert back to just being an introvert, to feeling like they were all alone and it was just them and Jesus and neglecting mm-hmm. the yeah. body of Christ. So you mentioned yeah. before the importance of the local church. Could yes. you share again, why is the church family so important to you? Essential, essential. I want to say to anybody listening, if you are going through any mental affliction, get in the local church. And you're, and I know what you're saying. You're like, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it either. Yeah, but then I'm going to have to be fake. Says who? If it's a Christ-centered church, they will take you the way you are. But you, but but to get that one hour in God's house under the auspices of God's love and glory, and then 360 degrees united with other people that are in God's house, receiving that outpouring of His love and glory, is so good for us because the week drains from the bucket. That one hour on Sunday is a fill-up. It is a fill-up. So I, 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 it's essential. It's not even, it's a non-negotiable for me. And so the final question I'll get you out on is this. And Heather, thank you again for uh, being a part of wonderful.com. There's a H after the D, wonderful.com. I know for me, after I preach, there's always a letdown. Sometimes it's just the adrenaline is down. Other times it's just I'm tired. And sometimes it is that spiritual warfare, that attack. For you, when you know that you're going to experience something positive, how do you guard continually knowing that there is going to be that letdown or that spiritual attack or just that chemical imbalance as well? Sure, sure. Oh, that is such a good question. And what I do for that is I take my cues from Elijah. Now, in the Bible, there's there's a, a multiple um, there's multiple people who battled mental affliction, but Elijah had this awesome victory. I mean, quintessential victory, you know, like the sermon of all sermons. I mean, I don't know if you're calling down fire inside your church when you're preaching, but Elijah straight up called down fire. And and then he would and then he left his servant and he wandered alone into the desert. And he said in First Kings 19, God, take my life. So I'm so thankful that God has included in his word mm-hmm. the letdown after the high and what to do about it. Because here's what Elijah didn't do. He did not take his life. He, he vocalized it, but he didn't act on it. And the other thing is that he rested. The Bible said he rested. So, you know, I I just try to, uh, you know, take my cues from him. When, when I'm done speaking, I that's not the time for me to, you know, I don't know, go to a surprise birthday party for a six-year-old with, you know, a bunch of stuffed animals and walking, talking pirates. I mean, I just don't have it. Right. I don't yeah. have it. Uh, I need to rest and, 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 and be very close to God, just like Elijah. 
such such wisdom that you shared today and heather once more we thank you for the time on uh, instagram on twitter it's wonderful with the h after the d the same as wonderful.com you can go to leading and loving it.com for more information and the church website is cb glades cb as in boy glades.com and heather could you just pronounce your last last name once more and then we'll let you out of here but heather thank you again okay well i'm glad you didn't ask me to pronounce it like backwards because then i then this would just end so badly all right paul palacios palacios boom palacios you, you nailed it hey it took me 45 minutes to get there but i, I think <laughs> i have it at least this time heather you're the best thank you so thank much you. thank you for the opportunity and again heather Check out wonderful.com. There's an H after that D, wonderful.com. We wish you all the best. Pastor Jeff saying, go to hopefulvermont.org. If you'd like more information, you can call or text me, email me, pastor at hopefulvermont.org. Know that you are not alone, that you are loved, and we as a church are for you because Jesus was. So let's be like Jesus.